0: Hello, I'm Charu Kamaria. I'm a writer, journalist, speaker, and podcaster based in the southeastern United States. And I started this show after many years of working in newsrooms where stories of the day are boiled down to just a few minutes. I want to go more in depth, talk about the things that we all should be noticing and discussing, and help you understand what the story really is. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Story with Charu. My guest today is Vandana Pawa, who's a writer and an educator. She's worked um, for a lot of academic institutions in that capacity, but she's also worked across the board in some private enterprises as well um, to really just raise the bar of equality and equity. And um, I'd like to introduce her now. Thank you so much, Vandana, for making some time to be here today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how you got into that line of work. What are you passionate about? How did this start?
1: Yeah, so um, the the seed was kind of planted when I was in undergrad. I, I studied um, psychology and women's studies at Ohio State University. Um, and the time that I actually spent there, I, I was pre-med. I had spent my whole life like being told that I was going to become a doctor, and I was following that path like a lot of young South Asian kids do, yep. <laughs> um, and and I followed that path all the way up until I was literally in med school, and it was my first week there, um, and I, I had always kind of known that I didn't want to do that, and I, it, it wasn't something I wanted to spend my life doing, but I really was doing it just to... Um, please my parents, and the classic kind of, like, immigrant um, mentality where, you know, they sacrifice so much for you, like, the least I can do is become a doctor for them. Right, right. Um, So I made it all the way up to that point um, to where it was kind of a breaking point, and I was like, you know, I'm surrounded by people who are passionate about this, and this is what they want to do with their lives, and it's become very clear to me that, You know, this isn't where I want to be. Um, So, had that difficult conversation. um, But my family was very, very supportive at that point of kind of understanding okay, well, let's figure out what it is that you do want to be doing. Um, So, I, I looked back into my time in undergrad and realized a lot of the most impactful experiences that I had, um, the relationships and mentorships that I had built with, you know, whether it be professors or staff members at the university that, that were there for me in difficult times. It all kind of came back to just this route of, like, educators and, and knowing that throughout my life, educators have been the people who have been most supportive of me and the people who have kind of allowed me to, to see the world in new ways and kind of expanding my worldview. Um, so I realized, you know, that, that was kind of the route that I wanted to take. Mm -hmm. Um, so kind of connecting back with the mentors that I had during my time in undergrad, um, helped me find my next steps. So after I finished studying at Ohio state, um, I went on to get my master's in education at Indiana university. Um, and during my time there, a lot of a lot of the work that I focused on, um, and the classes that I took, and, and the work that I did was really focused on like equity and inclusion. Um, kind of having a foundational understanding of historically what has made education so inequitable in the United States, and a lot of that comes with the history of um, race and class-based barriers that are really prevalent in like every single kind of area of life in this country, um, whether it be, like, healthcare, education, um, access to, to different resources. So just getting this understanding of, of what exists in, in our educational yeah. sphere, um, as well as what needs to be done to kind of alleviate that, what can be done, what work we should be doing. Um, so that has been, that obviously was something that, you know, really pushed me forward to to understanding the actual work that I want to be doing. Um,
0: did and you, kind of did you feel that, my, Yeah. well, did you feel that, Um, you know, being a different race and possibly religion, ethnicity in this country, that you also did part of it? I feel like some of us as Indians, we get it because we've kind of, I, I'm not saying our, simil- our situation is the same as blacks in this country, but we get it i think more than our parents because we encountered yeah. some of it did did that happen to you absolutely um and i think it's interesting because
1: i i had these conversations with my parents too where it's like like did you realize like growing up that it wasn't always easy for for us because i grew up in ohio so i grew yeah. up in like a um very like conservative uh town where you know, there was, it was mainly white folks, it was mainly, um, you know, people, of they were like Christian or Catholic, and, and people really just didn't understand where we were coming from, yes. and I think my parents also didn't realize that, like, yes. oh, like, it was kind of rough for you growing up because of those identities, um, and to them, it's even like a, it's like expected almost, like, yeah. it's like, okay, well, you came here, and you're growing up in, in a place that is like quote unquote theirs um so we just have to deal with it but then it comes to a point where our generation like
0: we're not gonna deal with it we don't want to deal with it. yeah you know what that's interesting so we talked about this before we started recording you're young you're 25 um Mm -hmm. and i'm you know a good few decades older than you and i i'm it's the same exactly because it was sort of like well, we are in this country. Uh, you know, my mother has said to me before, don't bite the hand that feeds. So don't get involved in these issues. But for us, feeling very American in our identity, it's hard to not confront some of these issues. And then to see when our Black friends are suffering, hey, wait, wait, this is not cool because we've experienced some of this too. They they are, you know, we need to stand with them, you know? Exactly. Yeah, so so your work... um what have you been active in, and what's been the most rewarding for you? Yeah, so I think I think the most rewarding
1: has definitely been working with other South Asians and also just generally Asian Americans, um, in in helping them kind of come to this point, the same point where I feel like I'm at, and also you got to at some point where. Um, where you're kind of tired of being apolitical, um, because I think we're, like, as Asian Americans, South Asian Americans, we're expected to be apolitical, um, so I feel like I've, I've done a lot of civic engagement work with college students, um, and, and bringing students to that point and seeing kind of that light bulb moment in their eyes where, Whether it be you are talking about, like, the history of, you know, Asian and black liberation and the way those have been tied um, historically with, like, activists like Yuri Kochiyama being, who was a Japanese-American activist who um, worked, like, hand-in-hand with Malcolm X and the black liberation movement. Like, all these things that were never taught. Yeah. But when you have that conversation with, like, a young student who's just... (laughs) You know, realizing the way our histories are intertwined and why it's important for for us as Asians to be fighting alongside, you know, black black brothers and sisters, and and just building those coalitions. I feel like like having those conversations with younger people um, to kind of set them up. You know, even beyond with like Gen Z coming up in college now, to setting them up to be the next generation. Not that the fight is over for us, obviously, but to kind of bring younger folks like up to up to up to speed with us and and say you know like this is what we're going to keep fighting for and just having that light bulb moment with them is is something that is always so motivating and so rewarding
0: do you feel hopeful about the future
1: i do i think and it's hard it's hard to be hopeful i think i think a part of me is like well, you kind of ha- you kind of have to be to, to kind of keep doing this kind of work. Yeah. Because if you don't have the hope that, that the work you're doing is impactful now or going to be impactful someday in the future, then like like what reason is there to be doing it, you know? Um, I feel like that's that's something that is so grounding is like the hope in that, that what we're doing now, like we're working so hard now with the hopes that one day this work will not need to be done anymore because yeah you know like like folks won't be treated like this anymore and 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 these issues won't exist anymore so i feel like my hope it isn't even so much like short term but just like longer term to know that even if you know activists and and people who are fighting for for democracy and, and civic civic engagement and things like that like even if maybe we won't see the fruits of our labor now, like, just knowing, especially when connecting with younger people and younger students and things like that, like, they will see the fruits of our labor and their own labor. That That is enough to, like, keep me going,
0: for yeah. sure. and I think sometimes even just thinking if if we can improve the life of one person, then we... Exactly. Or let someone know, you know, you're not alone in what you're feeling, you exactly. know? Um, exactly. And how can, do you think you know my generation of indians and activists help your generation
1: i think a lot of it is definitely when it comes to kind of helping us see that there's like more there's like more to life than just this like kind of bubble that we believe we're supposed to exist in i think when it comes to like being like a diaspora kid and and being an immigrant kid and all these different things like it seems like even though there's so, so many of us and everybody's experiences are so diverse, I feel like there is such a bubble that we feel like we're supposed to exist in. But then when you see folks who have gone beyond that and and already broken those barriers, it kind of, like, creates a path for us to do the same. Um, And I think connecting with, like, older folks who are doing this work has been really important, especially, so I... um, when I was in college, I connected with Salt, the South Asian Americans Leading Together, um, and there was a bunch of a bunch of us college kids who who were brought together. And the topic of our our um, kind of Young Leaders Institute that I was a part of was fighting for Black Lives with South Asians. And we had like trainers and presenters who were all like in the generation above us, and of course the folks who work at Salt and this is like their their jobs. Um, they They had been doing this work for, like, decades before we had even realized that it was happening. Um, And they were, like, training us and investing so much in us in such a short amount of time in hopes that we would kind of move forward and keep, keep working with them. Yeah. And to see, and that was the first time I had ever seen, like, like older folks who are doing like justice focused work, equity focused work. Um, because I don't really see that with like my parents'
0: generation. Yeah, it's so. huge, right? When you see aunties and uncles that yeah. are renegades and, and you know, then you forget like in our own history, it wasn't that long ago that we had all these freedom fighters that yes, exactly. got the British out of India. I mean, that is in our blood. Like that is it part is. of our heritage, you know? Yeah, it's
1: like our history, and it, it's sad to me that like so many people, like we're we're raised seeing that that's not a part of who we are. Like to think that like no, like just be quiet, be apolitical, all that stuff. But it's like yeah. no, like literally, like our grandparents were were the ones who were freedom fighters. Like yeah. it was in yes. their lifetimes that that they were they were saying no, and they were saying we're not going to stand for this anymore. So why
0: aren't we doing the same? Yeah, exactly. And you know, when you look at it, I I like to think about it that within a couple, we were you know, the Indians that came here as immigrants were by and large, not always, but pretty privileged in the countries that they came from, very educated. Yeah. But within a within a generation or two, I can speak, you know, from my family and what they created in terms of jobs and what they did for this country was pretty quick. And so we have a right and we have a stake in this country to speak up for what's right, you know. Um, and we shouldn't be, we're, we are not, you know, I think there was also this idea, at least for my parents that like, look, we're just here to work. We're here because the economy is pretty open and we can make a lot of money, but we're, we're just visiting. And so what happens here does not really impact us. And of course you become an American, you know, after several decades here, you're an American and, uh, it does impact you and you do need to speak up and, and, uh, be uncomfortable making this country a better place. So I'm with you 100% on that. But it is great when you see that generation waking up or at the very least, maybe um, somewhat younger waking up, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So this, the theme of this season, you know, we talked about this a little bit is sort of the breaker of chains, the breaker of cycles. And I'm talking to people across the board about Uh, the cycles and chains that need to be broken and they can be literally about anything. So for you, what does that mean? Like what are the cycles that you want to see broken and what are the chains that you want to see, you know, come off your wrists and the shackles come off?
1: Yeah, I think for me, a lot of it really comes from like borders, if if, like metaphorically and physically, um, I think especially as South Asians, maybe in the diaspora, like, we we see the way our parents have experienced borders um, and our grandparents and, and kind of the, the really violent ways that borders can limit us. Um, and again, in South Asia, like, this can be taken very literally as well as, you know, metaphorically. Um, so I feel like the biggest thing for me is just, like, seeing the ways that Borders are limiting us and, and the ways that we can connect with people and the ways that we can build relationships with people and build coalitions, um, I really want to see, like, that be the barrier that's broken, to, to know that a simple border is not is not something that should devi- define us and who we are and who we can build relationships with and, mm-hmm. and who we can build together with, so I feel like... As Asians, as South Asians, um, who are who are now Americans, like we we should be able to kind of work beyond these borders and, and understand that, you know, despite these political differences in our our identities, um, building together is the only way that we are going to be able to to move forward and really create a world that's that's better for ourselves and for for our kids and, and
0: generations coming ahead. Yeah, and what. I've been also asking people, <laughs> you know, we were talking you're in Brooklyn and um we were talking a little bit about everything that New Yorkers have been going through, you know, through the in 2020 right and um I've been asking people what's for dinner because everybody's got to eat everybody's got to think about this and it's my favorite question like whenever I see people I feel like um it's a light question and every I love food and I love talking about food so so what's for dinner do you think over there for you today I think today I'm going to out some of the the dumplings, the freezer
1: dumplings that I got from H Mart, <laughs> and um, throw them on the pan. Um, I I love I love Asian food so so I'm gonna pull out some of the dumplings. I've gotten a little tired of cooking in, in quarantine time, so
0: make it easy tonight. So what is, do you, when you live there in Brooklyn, you know, I've always wanted to live in New York and I never got the chance. I visited, I love it. I feel like my soul belongs there, but now I'm used to having a nice house and um, a yard. And now of course we're quarantining with kids, so we need the space, right? But what, what's it like, what was that shift like when you went from Ohio and, and eventually landed there? Honestly, it was
1: tough. Like, it was really, really tough because I wasn't I wasn't used to, like, forget the space. Even just, like, taking the train to work every day and, like, having to walk versus have a car and all these different things. Um, it's definitely, like, a lifestyle shift and then also just, like, a culture shift going from the Midwest and the way people interact with each other versus going to, like, this like Hustle & Bustle City where everybody is busy all the time and always, like, late to their next thing. Yeah. Um, it was definitely, definitely a, a big shift that took some time to transition and adjust to. But honestly, I love it. I feel like at this point in my life, like, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. Um, it's it's where things happen.
0: I think after yeah. so many
1: years of living somewhere where I felt like nothing happened ever. Um, everything I ever wanted was, like, just to be in the middle of everything. So, That has definitely
0: been so fulfilling and so much fun, and really loved it. Yeah, yeah, I can can see that, and I feel the same way. It's a very special city, uniquely American because it represents um, the world, you know? Um, You can walk down the street and hear every language being spoken. It's so cool. It is so cool. Well, Vanda, I've I've really appreciated you coming on the show. You know, thank you so much for your thoughts and your insight. And I'm going to have some information about her in the show notes. And also, if you look at my Instagram that goes with this podcast, at the story with Charu, um, I'm also going to have some uh, photos of her and some of her work. So thanks so much for listening. And until next time, I hope that you find something that makes your soul light and happy. You can support this show by subscribing it, liking it, and sharing it with others. And you can also follow the show on Instagram at the story with Charu. That's on Instagram. It's all lowercase, all one word, at the story with Charu. That's where I post pictures of our guests. And I also have uh, more fresh takes about current events that we really can't get to in a podcast format, and sometimes just random things from around the globe or just everyday life. You can also find more information about me on my website, charukamaria.com. That's C H A R U. K-U-M-A-R-H-I-A dot com. Again, that's also one word. And until next time, I hope that you find something that makes your soul light and happy.